Welcome to Fast Facts. I'm Jody. I'm Shelly. We're a new media concept, a co-working space in the design district called The Slate. The most amazing people have walked through these doors. Authors. Entrepreneurs. Community leaders. Dallas natives. And guests from near and far. We're going to bring them in this room and we're going to sit them down and we're going to ask them the questions you are asking too. These will be quick so you can listen on your drive in or your drive home. We are completely off the cuff, but that is the best part about Fast Facts. And the only person you can really be off the cuff with might just be your sister. Truth. Let's see who's slating it. Okay, I had a very telehealthy kind of morning, Jody. Yeah. I telehealthed. I did. It well, was it's a telehealthy six months, Shelley. It's been a tele. It's been a don't leave your house period of time, mm-hmm. and so we wanted to pull in because we just are fascinated with this growing industry. So we wanted to pull in our friends over at Methodist Health System. So they brought in the big dogs for yeah. us. We've got Pamela Stoyanoff. She's the COO, and by the way, the first system female president in North Texas. So we always love hearing that. Mm -hmm. And then Dr. Cheryl Burkhalter, who does family medicine. So, you know, the folks you call when you're like, what's this ear infection? What's this rash? Right. And all I want to do is hear from these two guests. But first, I have to just tell all of the listeners, when we spoke to an attorney recently that does a lot of work in telemedicine, Shelly was riveted. I was, which is why I want to do it again. I know, and it's, it was almost no, I mean, I just was almost like shocked that Shelly could not get enough of this information. So that's why we want to hear everything that Dr. Burkhalter has to say and Pam that you have to add about how telehealth is changing every day. So Pam, go ahead and kick us off because this has been a wild ride you've been on for the last six to eight months here. Oh my goodness, it's been crazy. And uh, by the way, thank you for having me on today. It's a pleasure. Um, you know, before COVID, um, we all know life was very different before COVID, and for us at Methodist, you know, we did telehealth visits, but maybe, um, you know, less than a thousand a year of the, you know, several hundred thousand visits we do in our primary care physician offices, and once COVID hit and we didn't have a way to see patients physically, we had to quickly ramp up how we do telemedicine, and I think, you know, the first thing I'd say is that it, it, moved about five years worth in a matter of two weeks Um, uh, and across the country I mean all of us learned how to do telemedicine and so we do you know text visits now we do video visits we do email visits and we do them every way from Sunday and we went from you know very few to now we're doing about 50,000 telehealth visits um, a year and it's just grown dramatically. I mean, it was wow. less than one percent of our business, and now it's you know about twenty to thirty percent of our business. And through in April, when the when COVID was at its worst, it was eighty percent of our visits. So we wow. Seeing, yeah, eighty percent of our patients in April were seen via telehealth. Um, amazing, absolutely amazing. And the the cool thing about it was we didn't really see an overall decline because we were able to see those patients via telehealth. We we didn't lose a lot of volume and. And one of the things we're concerned about is people are so scared yeah. to get COVID. And I call it the COVIDs. You know, we're so scared to get the COVID yeah. that, um, you know, they don't want to see their doctor. And, you know, so we were worried about not having, you know, patient, patients getting sick, dying. And we have, you know, we've had some of that throughout the country where people are so scared that they stay home and they don't get, they don't go to their doctor and then they actually get sick and there's something non-COVID wrong and they, mm-hmm. they die. So we've done a lot of education on that, but... 
but it's it's amazing how um, how life can change so quickly when you're forced into it that way. And and it's been a good forcing, frankly. To have telemedicine go this far has been great. And you're all about revenue cycle. I mean, sounds like you run some numbers and probably have about 20 spreadsheets at your fingertips as we speak right now, Vance. Strategy. <laughs> That's right. No insurance. um, Yeah, so we're not gonna. Obviously, we can't afford to do all of our visits for free. Um, But during the, you know, once COVID hit, there were a lot of um, changes made. Um, Hopefully, they'll be, you know, they'll be permanent. We don't know yet, but a lot of temporary changes made to allow us to get paid and reimbursed for those telemedicine visits. And so, so we are getting paid for those now, as if they were in office visits. So at the same rate, Mm -hmm. and that is what has allowed us to be able to developing it so quickly so if that changes that's going to be a problem because you know again you'll see healthcare take 14 steps backwards if we have to go back to not allowing that to be an option for patients because we're not getting paid for it but that that's something we're, we're pushing now to try and make those changes permanent and we'll have to see um, the government's extended it at least uh, through I think through the end of September um, and so we'll see what happens after that but you know um, yeah, that, wait, wait, wait. I got to I got to stop you that. Hold the on. Financial person in me would have had to, you know, I would have had a struggle. Okay, wait. So wait. And then I really want to get to Dr. Burkhalter too. Did you say the government has extended this through September? I thought this was just like the new once norm. they made the change and insurance covers this that like here we go, this is the new world. No. Oh, well, wow. Dr. Burkhalter, I'm curious. So when we had um, two Methodist doctors here um, for mom camp, because y'all teamed up with us for mom camp, which was so fun, they were explaining us that they actually think they're better doctors through telehealth because they're forced to listen even more. How do you feel like this is the changing, just the day-to-day way you operate and listen and hear from a patient? Um, and picking up on any cues um, from what they're saying and what we see on the screen. 
Yeah. You have so much more context when you get to see them in their home environment. Do you do like all morning telehealth or do you jump from a live patient at one moment to a telehealth patient the next? So our particular office, we decided to um, kind of um, be strategic about it. So I spend one half of my day doing telehealth and then the other half I do um, in-office visits. Um, whereas the two PAs that work with me, they um, do the opposite so that we have less foot tra- traffic in the clinic. Um, mm-hmm. So there's less people in the hallways, in the lobby, et cetera. And, um, and then that way we can still have access throughout the day. Is there something that is not good for telehealth that, hey, if you have X, Y, like what if you have, let's be honest, there are a lot of people with mental health issues going on right now you know, there's a lot of talk in the schools about spiritual and emotional health, social health. It's just people are isolated. It, like, is depression something that you can really talk about through a computer screen, or is that something you should come in for? Is there something that's not, like, if you have this, I, I really need to touch and feel and hear your heart, not just talk to you right, through a phone? Right. Well, um, I, I actually think that um, things like anxiety, depression, or it's been long-standing, it works really well via um, this platform, the tele- telemedicine. Mm-hmm. Um, because, number one, it allows us, um, again, to see the person in their home environment, and we can see, like, oh, they look disheveled, or, you know, they're not, like, really, um, they look really tired, or, you know, you can kind of get some information about that. Um, also, um, you can meet with them more frequently. So it may just be like, oh, let's talk about this today, and then I'm going to check on you on Friday to see how you're doing. That's um, So it allows that access, which um, sometimes when you're having to drive to an office, you know, may be more difficult um, just to get away. So it, uh, I have can tell you so many of the patients are very appreciative of that type of visit. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have an ongoing relationship, and this is just like a check-in type visit. Now, there are things that do not work well um, for telemedicine, and that would be anything that's bleeding, um, anything that's acute in nature, like, um, oh, I have, like, a headache that's the worst headache I've ever had. I'm having chest pain. I'm having shortness of breath. My belly hurts so bad I can't even sit up or I'm throwing up. Those type of things really need to come into the office. And what happens sometimes is people will call us and they'll say, oh, I'm feeling like this. And I'm like, no, you need to come in now. Mm-hmm. And we get them in that day. Um, or if, you know, they need to go to the urgent care or hospital, we send them there also. And Pam, I'm curious, do you guys, I'm sure you're like tapping different sources from lawyers to business consultants to your doctors, et cetera, at Methodist. Where are you getting your information so that you can plan for what telehealth could look like in the next four months? I mean, kind of, I just feel like this is going to continue to evolve, and soon I'll probably be able to tell you my own heart rate through something, some kind of Mm -hmm. app you give me that's connected to my telehealth email. I mean, I know I'm making stuff up, but I'm, what's coming down the pipe for telehealth, and where are you getting that info? That's a great question. Um, You know, I'm not sure we all know exactly what will come down the pike. Telehealth is so broad, and and everybody defines it differently. So what what we're talking about today is, you know, doing office visits and and those kinds of things via telehealth. But one of the things you brought up is, you know, having equipment at home to wear. And we do this now already for patients, you know, for example, who might have congestive heart failure. And we need to know what their weight is every day or Mm -hmm. what their 
blood pressure is every day. And so we can give them equipment for that to where, you know, they can stay in the home and record that and either text it into us or send it in so that we can make sure that if there's something that changes in their condition, we have to react to that quickly so that they don't have a um, go into congestive heart failure. So some of those things already exist out there. You know, one of the new things that we started doing, and some of this is just trial and error. I don't know that anybody's defined everything that telehealth will be in the future, but one thing that we just uh, started doing is a lot of the issues with COVID patients are respiratory-oriented, and, um, you know, one of the reasons they stay in the hospital a long time is because they need... Uh, help breathing and they'll be on oxygen levels and until you can get their oxygen levels to a certain point um, you know we've been reticent to send patients home so we are now doing um, sending patients home on oxygen not huge amounts but on oxygen and we have physicians uh, in our primary care offices who are going and visiting those patients in their home so that they can get out of the hospital a couple days earlier start to recover at home which makes it much less risky that they'll you know, get yeah. sicker, that something else will happen while they're exposed to something else in the hospital, uh-huh. and they and they can go home. So that's a form of telemedicine where we're, you know, sending them home oxygen, having physicians visit them, talk to them every day, try and get them to recoup that last bit of their stay at home. I see a lot of that kind of happening. I see, you know, patients who have pneumonia in the hospital or congestive heart failure where we just have to make sure that we watch them for a while starting to try and have those patients at home. So even in you know, traditionally in hospital care being done in the home, I think it will be, you'll see a lot more of that in the future. Um, huh. And again, you know, not every patient can be treated at home and not every patient can be treated virtually, but a lot can. And a lot of the monitoring can be done that way. So, so we kind of, we just keep our eyes open. Um, we belong to a national a healthcare advisory board that's out of D.C. They do a lot of research into what's new. They do a lot of best practice looking and all that, and we, we you know, pay a membership fee, and we get a lot of our information from them. But we also try and think of some stuff on our own, you know, and try and be innovative, you know, just within our own system of what can we do and what will help our patient population, um, you know, be better and, and recover better and um, all of that. Well, I guess then we should ask Dr. Burkhalter, what's your wish list? <laughs> if yeah, we're what wondering, you you could, what, what do you wish? Is it is it different screenings, or or what what do you want to see improves that you can give the patient an even better experience? Well, I think I've been very um, spoiled here with our patients because they're so wonderful. Yes, um, I'm at the Methodist Uptown Clinic, so a lot of our patients are very um, into technology. Huh. Um, they have every kind of gadget at home on their wrist. Um, they have the latest phones, so um, for us to transition to tele- telemedicine was very easy because mm-hmm. we were already doing some form of that with email exchanges um, for follow-ups and things like that, but now um, we're doing more of the, um, the visits with the video attached to it, which is the new part for us. Um, I think that if we could have, um, you know, everyone kind of on one platform would be great. Um, right now we're switching from platform to platform where where it's like Zoom, Google Duo, to Face FaceTime, um, and you know, for us, we just have to adjust and you know get on the right um, platform or the right um, tool or device to do that. So, but you know, that's a lot to ask. But of course, you asked my wish list. So yeah. I did. Hey, you know what? You and heard then, Pam say y'all. Also, we we are very spoiled because we have a lot of patients who can monitor their blood pressure, their weight. Um, they, they send me spreadsheets right now with their data. Like if wow. they're sick, um, they'll send 
they'll tell me this was my blood pressure, this was my temperature, this was my oxygen. So they give me updates like every day on how they're doing. So it, that has been wonderful. I think the one thing that I do want to mention is that there's a difference between kind of telemedicine that we're doing now versus like tele, teledoc or what um, was offered in the past. Um, what's different about our experience is that we're um, working with patients that we already have a relationship with or we're going to have wow. an ongoing relationship with. Um, some of the other um, previous um, telemedicine offerings were just like, uh, more like urgent care, like you just talk to someone that you may never talk to again, that you they may not even be in the same city as you. So I think that's what's unique about now with this um, with COVID and all the changes that it made to telemedicine is that it's part of this ongoing relationship you have with your patient. So if they need to come in, they can come in. If you need to have intervention, you can um, do that for them. It's almost like the patient is learning more about themselves, too, and having that knowledge. If they're sending you spreadsheets yeah. with their information, they're actually learning about their issue, and that's probably makes them more informed, which makes you more informed, And actually. watching it themselves. Yeah. What is... Yeah, they, they are engaged, and yeah. um, they're part of the solution, and, and, I mean, of course we want to empower them even more, so it's really great. So, and y'all may not know the answer to this, but I'm feeling like Pam probably does on her spreadsheet. <laughs> Pam, what is the number one, like, telehealth call about? Is it just preventative medicine? Is that number one? Is it, it are you tracking the types of calls, the topics of the calls? That's interesting. We, we, um, we're not really tracking the types of calls um, at all, but, but a lot of our telemedicine calls that we're getting are truly, um, you know, primary care visits mm -hmm. and um you know a lot of a lot of wellness checks a lot of um you know or, or i think i'm sick with something minor um and i just want to talk to the physician make sure i'm okay or whatever so so but we really haven't to be honest and i think the funny thing is that because we did so few of these before everybody did so few of these before that we don't have a lot of the um at least we don't have a lot of the innate spreadsheets and I mean online kind of database stuff figured out for this yet. In fact, we were, you know, we spent a lot of time just making sure we could get the infrastructure in place, mm -hmm. get our doctors to agree. You know, we had a lot of doctors who had never done a telemedicine visit in, you know, ever. They didn't know how to. They didn't, you know, they weren't comfortable as comfortable on the phone not seeing their patient or even if they were doing a Zoom or a video call, you know, it was weird to them. So we spent a lot of time just training and getting them all up to speed, getting our technology to support the visit actually occurring to where we could record it, you know, in our system and bill for it and collect for it and all that. So we really haven't gone back and spent a lot of time on, you know, demographic data around what kind of visits we're getting other than counting them. <laughs> yeah, well, no, that's, hey, keep counting. You need the data. <laughs> And what if you are a new patient? Like, what if 
Dr. Burkhalter, you're the only doctor I want now, but I've never seen you before. Can I qualify for a telehealth visit with you if I don't have an ongoing relationship with you? Yes. So we are taking new patients. Um, we do have you fill out like a health history form. Mm-hmm. Um, we go over that. We um, try to ask you, you know, how tall are you? How much do you weigh? Do you, you know, and there are some pieces of information we can get from um, our electronic medical records, like you may be taking, um, which is really important for some people because they can't remember, you know, mm-hmm. what medicine, you know, they take and for what, you know, especially maybe older people who have multiple chronic conditions. Um, so that helps us kind of guide the, the conversation. We can also see um, lab results from, um, you know, things that are shared on EPIC, which is our electronic medical record. So say you went to the hospital and you were um, at Parkland or something. I could see that you were there and, like, this is a follow-up visit for you and um, you chose us to be the, the clinic that you follow up with. So um, we can get some of that from the the, um, the EPIC system that we're part of. So we try to, like, prepare for that in advance, but we usually have you come in if it's necessary um, afterwards. Mm-hmm. And at that point, we try to reassure you, you know, hey, we're doing this to prevent um, the spread of COVID, so please feel free to... Um, you know, ask questions, or if you're uncomfortable, let us know. But we're doing all the necessary precautions here to, to minimize the transmission of COVID. And I feel like if, if I can just call from my house, Pam, this one's to you, and then we're going to wrap. I, if I'm calling from my house, that's pretty convenient for me. So I'm willing to call maybe when I wouldn't have been willing to come in. Are you seeing this help? Gosh, what am I trying? I'm, I'm curious about insurance costs. Do you feel like this could drive insurance costs? in one direction or another, I feel like people are willing to come and maybe they're stopping larger problems ahead of time because of telehealth. Is there any, any research or anything interesting you've read about there? Um, you know, I, I have read that, um, you know, telehealth from a perspective of getting, you know, getting, giving a patient an additional option uh, by which to see their physician, especially patients who, you know, have, um, um, difficulty with transportation or any of those kinds of things, that telehealth is a good option for them and that, you know, if they're nervous, especially now if they're nervous about going into a physician's office, yeah, it, it's a good option for them. And I think that it will, um, you know, it, it will hopefully cause patients to be seen when they might not otherwise have done so, especially during COVID. Um, you know, insurance companies have always struggled, though, with telehealth because, you know, their perspective is that it's not the same as a patient going into a physician office and the physician, you know, the physician's, um, you know, nurses taking their weight and doing their blood pressure and making sure it's done correctly and sitting down with the patient and doing a history and physical and documenting and, you know, taking out their stethoscope and all their things and making sure that the patient looks and feels the way they should. Mm-hmm. That you can't, and you can't get all of that done in a telemedicine visit, but... You know, if you learn to ask the right questions, and our physicians are, you know, learning that, that again, as, as Dr. pointed out, there, there are lots of telemedicine visits that are totally appropriate for that form of delivery. And so if we can, you know, I think we just need in the provider side of things to keep pushing to keep this as a viable option for our patients mm-hmm. um, and, and pushing insurance companies to, to pay for it mm-hmm. because it's a valid option, it's a reasonable one, and I think it will re- Patients to get care when they might not have otherwise done yeah. so. We'll reap some benefits with preventative. 
help. I do. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you guys so, so much. I find this fascinating. The most fascinating piece being we got to see what happens in September yeah. to see if we can keep with telehealth. Like newsflash. Right. Where is that? I did like, not know I have that. not heard that. That's fascinating to me. Well, 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 that's why we need even the people who receive care to talk to their insurance company. Yeah. Like, hey, we really, um, I have heard that from so many patients. It's like, I hope this never goes away because it's so much more convenient. Right. Um, and they, they love it. But um, I think the insurance insured have to tell the insurance company um, that they really want this. Well, there's a call to action. Well done, sister. I'm going right. to do that since yeah, I tell yeah. this morning. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, y'all are the best. Uh, we appreciate it. And thank you so much for taking the time to inform us. Go Methodist. Go and Methodist. Slate it. Slate it. Hey, go Methodist. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.